college football talk as David Cohn, the co-host of Crane & Company with Jake Crane, joins Bryant, Brett, and Jay Morgan, a college quarterback at Michigan, a tall man that's on Twitter, at David Adam Cohn. Here's David with Bryant, Brett, and Jay Morgan. David Cohn joining us now from Crane and Company, talking college football with us every single Wednesday. David, thanks so much for joining us. And I'm going to throw a hard hitter at you uh, right off the bat. Through five weeks, how many teams do you think have a realistic shot of making a college uh, football playoffs? On top of that, how many teams uh, have a chance to win the whole thing? Well, boys, thanks for having me again. I don't know how we blinked, and we're already at week oh, six here, but I'll tell you what, I am so here fast. for it, and I am loving it. Uh, let's see, I'll start with your first question and say at least a dozen still. I mean, I'm looking around. I mean, the, first of all, let's just talk about uh, the Big Ten East, right? I mean, Penn State's still very much in this thing. Mm-hmm. We got the Buckeyes in Michigan, that trifecta, but even Maryland. We just talked to, to uh uh, Sean, uh, Sean Merriman today, you know, uh, Maryland's undefeated. They go to the Buckeyes. We find out a little bit more, right? Let's go to the SEC East here. Georgia, you know, skated by there and a close one in Jordan Hare and Auburn last week. They're undefeated as they host an undefeated Kentucky team who really just beat the brakes off Florida. I didn't see that one happening. And then, uh, you know, the Pac-12 obviously is going to take care of itself. I don't know who's going to emerge. I don't know if the whole conference is going to cannibalize itself. But uh, Washington is a very good football team. I had them going to my college football playoff at the beginning of the year. USC has some serious problems on defense, but just look what they're able to do on the offensive side of the ball with the reigning Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, we got to find out a little bit more about Utah losing at Oregon State, you know, without Cam Rising, I don't think that they are a very serious contender. But, look, Washington State still very much in this thing. Oregon really, to me, is the most balanced team in that conference. And then the Big 12, several teams could still make the college football playoff and possibly win the whole thing out of there. And, I, you know, I know we're going to get to the Red River shootout, but the, the undefeated matchup that we're headed for with that one, both of those teams not only could make the playoff, but, uh, but win the whole thing. Could be classic Red River, and we will get to it. David Cohn, you just gave an answer that for a long time in in the nineties, early two thousands, I would often I would often give when when people were talking about a playoff in college football. I wasn't anti playoff. I just couldn't believe college football administrators would ever go to it. The money got right, and that's why they're 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 going to it. And I'm for it. I'm 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 for when we were just at two, when we got to four. Now we're going to twelve. I'll be for it when it expands past twelve. But your answer sounded like me a lot of the nineties and two thousands when I would say we have a playoff in college football. It's called the regular season. Let it play out. Yes. yes. No, no doubt at all. And I, what I've said to people who have who have constantly said, "No, we need to expand beyond four. Uh, my my biggest complaint is not not that you know a twelve team or a sixteen team playoff wouldn't be a lot of fun, especially when you start talking about having those first round games on campus. That's the coolest thing that we're going to see. But my biggest complaint is, you know, before Larry Culpepper in the Dr Pepper commercials even graced us with his presence, people were calling for twelve teams. Well, we hadn't even won run. Uh, we hadn't even run one of these fourteen playoffs out there yet. And what I said was, you know, we haven't seen a scenario yet where more than four teams could win the national championship. And guys, we're in week five here, and yeah, we're talking about a dozen or so teams, that, and we're all really excited about it. But 
let the season play out because every single week we get more information. We get a little, we get to know these teams a little bit more and it always plays itself out. Now, I do think that an expanded playoff would lead to some increased parity because, you know, say some of these teams that haven't made the college football playoff, but somehow always put together good seasons, you know, you look like, like an Ole Miss team or something, what they did to LSU last week. They would be on sort of that periphery of a 12 team playoff. They could go then and use that on the recruiting trail to their benefit, right? Or say a Penn State, right, who's beating all the teams they're supposed to beat, but they're losing to the Buckeyes, they're losing to the Wolverines, they're on the outside looking in most of the time when it comes to the college football playoff. They could use that on the recruiting trail. But either way, guys, it doesn't matter to me. Four teams, 12 teams, whatever. The product on the field right now is spectacular. And as, yeah. as much as I did still love college football when it was the BCS system, this whole thing about, you know, even before that was splitting national championships with the AP and the coaches poll, that wasn't doing us any good, right? If we're going to claim someone national champion, then we have to play this out. And then obviously the BCS era had its own faults too when you have an undefeated Auburn team on the outside looking in, watching Oklahoma just get the, the break speed off of them by USC back in 04. So, you know, uh, for all the complaints there are with college football, I think, you know, we're, we're watching something pretty spectacular here. And I think you, I think you just described very well, David, a year from now, and that's what teams have to be positioning for and getting their act together, getting their stuff together. Ole Miss, Arkansas, Mississippi State, South Carolina, Mizzou, Kentucky, other, other conferences, even, even non-power fives like, like Memphis, uh, like the Air Force Academy. Uh, so many teams, they've got, they gotta have, they gotta be positioned and poised. So this time next year, maybe not, maybe not in, but you gotta keep pumping, selling sunshine to your fans that at least we're getting close. No doubt. And I think, you know, Tim Brando came on our show and he said, Hey, I think we're only going to be with 12 teams for one year because that's, that's, uh, how long we have that TV rights deal in place. After that, they have to sign another one. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be looking and saying, why are we playing, why are we giving first round buys to teams when we're still playing football in that first week? Let's just go to 16 and make even more money. And so obviously it becomes a slippery slope. I don't think it's going to water down the regular season at all. Yeah, it's true. They say, hey, the first week of the college football is the only sport where the very first week actually matters. I don't think we're going to see that affected too much. Um, but, Brian, to answer the second part of your question, you asked me there when I said I think there are a dozen or so teams right now that can still uh, make the college football playoff. I think we're looking at half that, really, maybe even less than half that, that could actually win the whole thing. You know, I think Georgia's in that conversation, Michigan's in that conversation. Certainly this Texas team we're about to see roll out here uh, in the Red River this weekend. Florida State is very much in that conversation. And I still think there's a Pac-12 team out there um, that that really could be sort of a fly in the ointment, as they say. Well, David, you just mentioned uh, Texas as one of those teams that could win the whole thing, and uh, a big game this weekend against a uh, a Oklahoma team that looks a lot better than they did last year. I've had a, a lot of fun watching this Oklahoma offense in particular, but what do you expect from this matchup, uh, the Red River rivalry between Oklahoma and Texas on Saturday? Oh, I'm so excited for this one, man. I, you know, we're certainly not going to be in store for a 49 to nothing Texas win like last year. Uh, first of all, 
Dylan Gabriel's healthy, right? He's back and he's healthy. So let's let's hope it stays that mm-hmm. way because Oklahoma is really cooking when when he's uh, when he's in control and he's just a spectacular football player, an old school lefty gunslinger. Kind of reminds me of of Mark Brunel, who's a, a family friend of ours, and I loved watching him play for sure. Um, but then Brett Venables, you know, the the, the defensive excellence uh, that he showcased at Clemson. Now he's the head coach at Oklahoma. Uh, he's been able to have have a, a, a be in a second season and to get that roster right, and they certainly look better on defense and in the secondary. Now, they're going to have a tall task, man. When you look at, at these Texas wide receivers and just what Steve Sarkeesian is able to do, them, do with them, A.D. Mitchell and Xavier Worthy, I went back and I watched, uh, I rewatched the Texas and Alabama game today, and, uh, you know, I think Alabama has one of the better defenses in the country, and you still, you look at the concepts that Sarkeesian drew up, and Quinn Ewer's ability to hit those playmakers down the field. It, 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 it's spectacular, man. Oklahoma is going to be in for a tall task, especially if they're unable to run the ball, which they haven't been able to do very very well this season. My question is, how much does Dylan Gabriel get involved in the run game and not just scrambles? Are there any quarterback-designed runs for him? And how many balls does he try and force down the field? Like I said, he's an old-school gunslinger. He tries to make uh, you know every throw in the book. He can make every throw in the book, but his touchdown to interception ratio, you know, considering that is very, very solid. So does he try and force some balls? Does Texas are they able to turn him over a couple times, sort of like they were with uh, Jalen Milrow twice in that Alabama game? I don't know, but I think we're in store for a heck of a game. David, I heard Paul Feinbaum about two hours ago say it hard to believe, but the South Florida win to a lot of people, ended the Alabama dynasty. Well, now, in two weeks later, they look to be in a lot better shape after wins over Ole Miss and Mississippi State. Home against Ole Miss, the road against State. And, and he, he asked this question right right in his open at 2.05 today. Are we sleeping a little bit on the Bama A&M game Saturday? Oh, is that what Paul Feinbaum said a couple hours ago? He did. Oh, okay. So he, you know, anytime that Alabama's losing by by a touchdown or something, or God forbid they even lose a football game, the Nick Saban dynasty is over, according to Paul Feinbaum. Um, but then uh, he, he has a good way of going football. with the win, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, he, he, he certainly does. I guess that's how he has to to stay relevant or get people to tune into a show or something. And I, I watched Max Kellerman and many other ones do the same thing with Tom Brady throughout his his career. God forbid Tom Brady throw an interception or lose a football game and it's the end of Tom Brady's career. Even when he was 35, the guy was winning Super Bowls until he was 45. But mm-hmm. either way, uh, I, don't, don't get me started on that. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, there were deficiencies, and I came on here for the last few weeks and I've been talking about, that, that Alabama had. Now, the thing is, Alabama's defense is going to keep them in every single football game. Their inability to get to Quinn Ewers in that Texas game and sack him and, and even on the back end giving up some big plays, yes, that was surprising, but we just talked about, look, that's the Steve Sarkeesian offense with a very a high-level elite quarterback in Quinn Ewers with offensive weapons, and still, still Alabama was winning that football game in the fourth quarter, right? And Jalen Milrow had to throw two interceptions, and they were still winning that football game in the fourth quarter and had a chance. Now, the South Florida win, like we said, yeah, that was that was not pretty, and it was ugly, and I still don't think – 
Tommy Reese has tailored this offense to Jalen Milrow as much as it can be, and maybe it's not Tommy Reese's fault. Look, he could have, he could be handcuffed. Nick Saban could be saying, "This is the type of offense I want to run," and we're still going to drop back with Jalen Milrow, like like Bryce Young and Tua are still the quarterbacks. I don't know. I'm not inside the building. I don't know what's going on. I know I would be moving the launch point a little more. I would be rolling him out a little more. I'd be calling a little more Q power, Q draw, all those sorts of things. We saw that a little bit more against Mississippi State, right now. Mississippi State, I think, is starting to emerge as sort of the, the bottom of the barrel this season in the SEC West, which is sad because I hate the situation that happened there with Mike Leach. So it's sort of one of those get-right games, right? And I thought Alabama would win big, and they did. So how do they keep things moving here against Texas A&M? Because now we're going to see this, this this battle. And I went back and I watched the Texas A&M against Miami game again today. When you look at that one and the Texas-Alabama game, a lot of points in both of those games. I don't think that's what we're going to see here. I think Alabama at Texas A&M, we're going to see one of these ugly, gritty, grimy games, a lot like Bama played Ole Miss. That's mm-hmm. what I think we're in store for. Because while I am a Max Johnson fan, I don't think Max Johnson has the skill set and the tools that Connor Wegman does. And, and, and Connor Wegman, I hope, comes back, comes back strong from that injury. Yeah. But, but either way, neither of them, I think, have the skill set that Quinn Ewers does, and that's what it took to go into Tuscaloosa and beat Alabama. And then on the flip side of that, Texas A&M has a very, a very capable, athletic, fast defense. And, um, you know, it took Tyler Van Dyke sitting in that pocket and hitting Restrepo out on the outside, making a ton of plays for Miami to really cook them up. I think both of these defenses are going to get after the opposing quarterbacks. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw turnovers on both sides and sort of had this uh, really classic defensive battle going uh, against one another. But either way, some of the greatest minds in the game. You know, when you talk about Jimbo Fisher and Bobby Petrino going up against Kevin Steele and Nick Saban, uh, we're in for a good one in College Station. Right now I'm leaning Alabama. Yeah, we, we definitely are, and you're absolutely right about the, the defenses. One of my favorite things this season in college football is just sitting and watching Texas A&M's defense, because like you said, they are fast, they are athletic, and uh, they attack uh, opposing quarterbacks. We're talking to David Cohn, the co-host of Crane and Company. Um, one of my buddies, shout out Pierce, uh, he is a massive Ohio State fan, so this might be coming from a little bit of fandom from him, but earlier today he told me that he thinks Ohio State's offense is true trending toward being elite. And when you look at those weapons, they certainly have elite weapons out there. But when you look at this Ohio State offense, obviously a, a big game this weekend against undefeated Maryland. But what have you thought about Ohio State's offense? Can't, I honestly cannot remember a time when when the Buckeyes didn't have an elite offense. And I mean well, that I, told with, with, I mean just look just look at just look at the quarterbacks and wide receivers. Even if you didn't talk about the running backs, forget about the yeah. Ezekiel Elliott and the Beanie Wells and all that. I mean the 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 Put, put it this way, I think half of my team, half of my wide receivers on my fantasy football team in the NFL right now are Buckeyes wide receivers. It's just going to become more oh, yeah. every single year. And now all of a sudden we're talking about Marvin Harrison Jr. might be the best wide receiver prospect we've seen in 25 years, and he's better than all the other ones. Didn't I mean, Olave uh, uh, and Wilson went 10 and 11, yeah. right, uh, uh, a year ago. So, uh, of course, they're elite on offense. And I thought that, you know, the question in the, in the offseason was, okay, well, what about Kyle McCourt? Because finally we're, we're starting a, a new quarterback here. And look at the way C.J. Stroud's already playing with the Texans. I mean, mm-hmm. for, for goodness sake, like, you know, he's just he's blowing the roof off. Uh, Kyle McCourt, I, I, I thought, showed a lot of poise uh, in his ability to come back 
and lead that game-winning drive at Notre Dame. Look, if that ball is intercepted at the very end, we're having a little bit different conversation. But still, you know, he put his team in a chance to win, and they're undefeated now. What you have to do is you have to take care of business here against uh, a Maryland team who's who's clearly not as good on defense as the Buckeyes are. But don't sleep on this Maryland offense, man. They they can put up a lot of points, and I think they will put up some points. Um, so the Buckeyes need to just keep doing what they're doing. Take care of business every single week, one week at a time. You're going to host a Penn State team as well, and we're going to find out a lot of information there. And then obviously at the end of the season, we'll get to uh, we'll get to the, 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 the Michigan game up there in Ann Arbor in the big house. Can't wait for that one. But yes, of course they're elite on offense. They should be. They have all the skill set to be elite on offense, but We've seen them uh, the last couple years not make the uh, not make the Big Ten championship game because they lost to Michigan, right? Even in years mm-hmm. where they were elite, and this is hey, I've been telling Michigan. Michigan's been on the flip side of this. There have been some good Michigan teams that can't go win the Big Ten because they can't win the division because they can't beat the Buckeyes. Yeah. Well, for the last two seasons, they've been on the other end of that. So I think we're in for another good one and possibly, possibly even an undefeated matchup there in November. But both teams have a lot of business to take care of before we get to that. David, the Ohio State machine of, of, of really every position, but offensive firepower that you referenced, it's, it's been, it's been rolling out. I wonder through the years, I think you're a little younger than this player I'm going to ask you about. But I loved him as a player. I don't know what he's doing now. I think he went to medical school. But anyway, did you ever, did you ever know Craig Krenzel? And he may be the last functionary. Just get the right play called. Don't mess anything up. National championship quarterback ever. You can't win it like that anymore. You can't win it with Craig Krenzel anymore. No, I, I didn't know, uh, I didn't know Craig Krenzel. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, you're exactly right. Like those, uh, those types of quarterbacks, like the game, especially as more and more rule changes happen, almost always that benefit the offense, even if they're done with safety in mind, they, 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 they benefit the offense. People want to see points. They want to keep players healthy, all that kind of stuff. Then the more it lends itself to, you, you, you really have to have a dynamic playmaker at quarterback. And, and we've seen this not only at the college level, but in the NFL the last couple of years, right? Like the, the, the Trent Dilfers of the world aren't really winning Super Bowls anymore right. by being able to Jeff have Jeff Hostetler. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's just, it's not a kind yeah. of game, but the game is secular, uh, is, uh, secular, right? So you never know what, like Georgia the last two years has proven that defense can still win championships first. Now these last two years, Georgia has still been really, really good on offense, right? But they've they've proven that hey, we're not going to be out here throwing the ball fifty times a game because we're going to put we're going to still put stock in our front seven, our front four. We're going to get after the passer. We're going to play good defense. So you know, you never know. I mean, people people may look back uh, in a couple years and say, well, this you know the Stetson Bennett types can't win national championships anymore, right? I mean, certainly you would look at Stetson Bennett and say, out of all those good Georgia quarterbacks they had, Matt Stafford and D.J. Shockley and Aaron Murray, it was Stetson Bennett who went back-to-back and won championships. But, you know, when you go break down the film, the kid was a playmaker, and he made plays. So I don't know if we'll see the Craig, you know, the Craig Krenzel types or even like the Ken Dorsey types from Miami back in the day winning national championships, but... um you know, with with an ability, especially with the transfer portal, to flip these rosters and get a group of guys in, if they're well coached and they respond to coaching and they develop, you never know. 
Last thing for our friend David Cohn from Crane and Company. He co-hosts that show. You hear Jake on with John Harden every week. We're so honored to have David with us as a staple at 4 o'clock on Wednesdays through the College Football National Championship. What was the first thing that grabbed you about the Ole Miss LSU game? I'll give you mine. As soon as I looked at the stat sheet Saturday night, I mean, it was still warm from the copying machine. <laughs> I saw 88 plays for Ole Miss, zero turnovers for Jackson Dart. What would you see? Man, isn't that something? I mean, we've been talking about how, you know, he has a tendency, especially in big moments, to uh, put the football in harm's way. And to get into a shootout with Jaden Daniels and Jackson Dart didn't turn the football over, that's incredible. Uh, you know, I was just uh, I was surprised at LSU's defense once again, right? I mean, I sat there in the second half of that game against Florida State, and I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I couldn't believe Florida State came out at halftime and said, you know what? We're just going to come out and out physical, y'all. We're just going to absolutely beat y'all to sleep. And that's what they did against LSU. And then I thought, okay, well, this is a Brian Kelly-led team. We're going to see a reset here, kind of like we did last year. And, you know, still circle that game on the road at Tuscaloosa. And, you know, we'll get on with our season. But to see them get get into a shootout with Ole Miss, uh, you know, which shouldn't be too surprising. Like, look, Lane Kiffin is one of the greatest offensive minds uh, in the game. But we were just coming off of a week where he couldn't do anything against Nick Saban in Alabama. So to come off that sort of poor performance, then against LSU, to really just light them up, I uh, I don't know. I was just I'm really disappointed in LSU's defense right now. I don't know where the physicality is. I don't know where like when is Harold Perkins Jr. going to show up and say, "Hey, I'm still one of the best football players in the country." What about Mason Smith? Where are these guys? I do expect them to bounce back, and they're going to have a tall one against uh, uh, Missouri. You know, one of those teams is five and zero, and it's not LSU, which is is fun and it's surprising. But that's what stood out for me. Now the question is. How will this SEC West start to solidify itself? It's really starting to smell like this game in College Station this week with Texas A&M and Alabama. You know, the winner of that is going to have a front-row seat and really take the reins. But LSU, despite the two losses, only one of them is in conference, right? So they, they're still very much in the mix. And the team they lost to, this Ole Miss team, already has a loss at Alabama. And a lot of these teams still have to play Tennessee across divisions. I think Ole Miss still goes to Georgia. So, uh, I don't know. It's really, uh, it's really, uh, starting to, to shape up here, but that's how I feel about LSU's defense. Well, I feel like I say it every week, but I mean, there, there are a ton of intriguing games this weekend in college football. You just mentioned a couple of them in the SEC, but David, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, and we'll do it again next Wednesday. Thank you guys so much for having me. It's an honor. Thanks, David. Thank you, David. It is an honor to have you, and you bring it, and he does sure bring does. it, and he's he he he's got good stuff for sure. Yeah, I, yeah. I wasn't taking a shot at Craig Krenzel. He just wasn't he wasn't the focus. And, right. and and David was right to mention just two years prior to that was Ken Dorsey and that mm-hmm. galaxy of stars for Miami. And you know, you know, he's just drive the car in the right lane, sixty miles per hour with the left <laughs> blinker on. Yeah. Don't try anything too exciting. You, you you can't get by with that now, bro. Oh, you, no, no, you, no, no, no. You, you you've you've got to have magic, man. Yep. And sometimes that's not enough. You look at Jaden Daniels' numbers from Saturday night, and you know h- how'd you lose? Well, I mean, it's same thing with uh, with Will Rogers the week before against South Carolina. I mean, just almost threw for 500 yards and and you lose that game so you're absolutely right I mean these quarterbacks we're seeing uh domination from them and and still coming up with losses it's it's incredible 
It's why I think Ole Miss and Arkansas will be closer than the experts are saying, closer than that point spread for a lot of You're different right. reasons. Yeah. I don't, I don't think Arkansas is bad. They've been unfortunate. They've had yep. some bad luck. I don't think they're a bad team. And KJ Jefferson back not far from his hometown. Yep. Uh, I remember what he did two years ago oh, there last man. year, and he kind of saved the season, uh, having to miss the Liberty game last year and get well. Is literally and figuratively against Ole Miss on the field last year. Everybody slow down on riding off Sam Pittman. Oh, absolutely. And I, I mean, you brought up that game from two years ago, and that was kind of the storyline. KJ Jefferson right by his his hometown, you know, close to home, and and that game was unbelievable. And and going down the stretch, how close it was, how back and forth it, that it game was, was wilder than LSU. It, it, it really was, now that I think about it. it. You're it right. Um, so I, I would love to see another Wobble. I know probably you and and a lot of other people um, that will be at that game probably don't want for it. another heart attack after uh, experiencing that LSU game last week. But I wouldn't mind I, I ta- watching a game I, like that. I take my pregame crazy pills. <laughs> well, you, you've needed them, and you're probably going to need them this week. I don't week. take one thing. <laughs> no, absolutely not. But let's go ahead and get to a break. When we come back, we're going to pull out the grade books after uh, one month into the college football season. We're going to give some grades uh, for uh, a lot of the teams around the area, and we want to hear your your grades for, for your team. Uh, text those in, 901-360-8255, and we'll get to those on the other side. That's next on Sports Time. You already know you can listen to Sports 56 anywhere with the Sports 56 app or at sports56whbq.com. But you can also watch us daily with live video of all of our shows on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Now back to Sports Time on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Here once again are Brett Norsworthy and Bryant Dacus. Welcome back in Sports Time. Bryant and Brett with you in our family leisure studios and we gotta get to some grading a uh, month into the season. Get the grade books out. We want to hear uh, your grades of the teams we're talking about, or, or your team. Text us in uh, your grades after a month. Uh, text us in nine zero one three six zero eight two five five. But Brett, uh, where you want to start? And we're going to go flat letter grade. We're not yep. going to hide behind the plus minus stuff. And we know you do. Look at almost every major universe. There's no minuses and pluses <laughs> handed out. When you get, you, you get that grade point. If you took a three hour class, you multiply it by four for A, mm-hmm. three for a B. Well, I never started that high. I would work them <laughs> down all the way down. And, and, and that's how, how we're doing. Uh, for the month of September, we're not trying to forecast the rest of the year. We're just grading on yep. what we've seen. We'll start locally. We'll start with the Razorbacks. Their record mm. says two and three. I say the tests have been extremely yeah. difficult. I, there, there's no way I could give them an F. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's no way because you don't get that close to winning at LSU. You don't get that close to, to, to defeating A&M. That was a, that was just a 12 point game. That was, that was no blowout. I would give Arkansas a C. For, for what they've done so far this year. The two wins, they weren't anything special. But the, the three teams they've lost to, a lot of teams would lose to those. It's been a stern test, mm-hmm. very difficult test, almost like med school uh, interest exam. I give the Razorbacks a gentleman C. 
Yeah, I'm going to give them a C as well. I mean, I think I think you said it. Uh, obviously, you win those first two games. Uh, really, uh, no tests there, and and since then, it, it, it's kind of been a, a struggle for them. But I think, like you said, very tough opponents. I mean, these are not cakewalks um, that that some of these other teams have seen. Also, uh, Rocket Sanders has been out for most of this time, and I think you got to right. factor that in there. And so, I'll give them a C. When I say- when when I say gentlemen see, what I mean by it, it, it this has not been the, the, the student that's the Eddie Haskell that sits on the front row and tries to brown nose yeah. the teacher. Right. I, it, it hadn't been. It's been the one working and doing and it just, it, you know, it, it just hadn't, mm-hmm. you know, it hadn't been A or B work, yeah. so I give it a C. Hometown Tigers, the Memphis Tigers, Brian, you first. Uh yeah, I mean I I think uh, I think you got to give them uh, an A. I mean I I think for sure this is what we thought uh, we would see or at least hope we would see um after week five. I think uh and and seeing the fight in this team I think is what really gives you. I think I think I could if someone said I'd give them a B I would say okay. But this fight I've seen I've talked about it a couple of times now since that Boise State uh win. You know coming back from seventeen nothing, staying in that game against Missouri uh, the week before against Navy, winning that game and um so I, I love this fight from this team I think you've uh, you've done you've won every single game that you're supposed to win that Missouri game I think most people thought it was probably going to be a loss and you were extremely competitive in it so uh, I'm going to give the Tigers an A with a with a big one coming up in two weeks I'm with you uh, and you, your explanation is great and, and the position grouping you can look at the improvement the offensive line imagine that improved offensive line improved run mm-hmm. game improved run game imagine that improved passing yeah. game it it it, it all uh, it, it's all perfect in the flow chart defense good enough uh special teams pretty good and 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 to win two close games against Navy and Boise that I fear uh, well, I know, because I, I saw last year. I'm afraid they would have dropped both of those last year. Tennessee, I give Tennessee the most favorable, friendly B, and I mean very friendly. Uh, and and they're, they're the team that I that I call in after, say, that 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 first six weeks and go, you got to be, you got to get it in gear to get another one next time the grades get handed out. Yeah, yeah. Um, give me the team again. I missed Tennessee. The team on Tennessee. Oh gosh, I didn't want to get to Tennessee. I'm gonna give them a C. Uh, you get a C, Tennessee, Fair. And, and I think you should be happy to to get a, a, a C. I, uh, you know, I think that loss to Florida does you a lot. Even though you're four and one, I just haven't seen a ton. I think I saw more from that South Carolina game. Um, because I, like I said on Monday, I think, uh, I think a lot of people thought it, at, at the very least South Carolina was going to cover that game and they didn't, you know, uh, Tennessee handled business, but I really need to see a lot more from this offense, this high powered offense. We were told about this Joe Milton's going to throw it all over the field, throw it, uh, 80 yards down the field every play. We don't I, trust them. You know, I, I don't trust them. So I'm going to give them a C. I need to see a lot more, uh, even though they have that four and one beside them. It, it, it's 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 this. You give a C, I give a B. It's the perfect example of Brian. If you sign up for the fall semester for college algebra, and you get that little more favorable teacher mm-hmm. that on uh, campus yep, people yep. know about, uh-huh. and you tell them, "Hey, you better take it in the fall uh-huh. when you know you can get it from him." I'm a tough. And then grader. you get the tough. You get Doctor Dakis right. in the springtime, and, and and you get the C. Mississippi State. Uh, Mississippi State. 
Hmm. Another C. I mean, I I don't I, I don't think I can give them a D, but I just again haven't been impressed. I thought uh, I didn't really know what to expect, so I'll give them a C, kind of just right there, middle of the road. I think I'm going to go C as well because right now on my preseason pick sheet, it's solid yellow for correct picks, red X for incorrect pick. So I'm I, states right where I thought they would be. So why should you kind of change the move the goalpost on if they're where they if you thought they should be? Why change it now for the rest of the year? I got state I got state finishing the season six and six, mm-hmm. but I don't know about that. The next time yeah. we we hand out grades, it could be far far different than that. Hugh Freeze in his first year at Auburn. Who his first month at Auburn? Your first month at Auburn. Um, yikes. Um. Uh, I, I I hate. I feel like I'm giving everybody a C. Um, I'm I'm gonna give them a C. I mean, I, I don't know really what I expected. B. Really, I, I mean, I was thinking about maybe a B, but uh, UMass, Cal, and Sanford. I think you uh, you were gonna win those games, and but just in these last two, I'll give them the the Georgia keeping it close. But I haven't seen a ton, even in keeping it close with Georgia. I didn't see a ton from that offense, kind of moving the ball down the field. It was a lot of quarterback runs again, running the ball. My solid yellow for Auburn. Yeah, they're, they're right where I thought they. So okay, they've kind of met. The bar of expectations. Mm-hmm. Alabama. Ooh. Um, mm, I'm Mighty gonna, Alabama. Um, Look, it, it, this is high school valedictorian. Uh-huh. First three years in yeah. college, they've they've got a four-point ever uh-huh. semester. And now in your class, they're kind of limping around. What do you give them? I got a D. I'm giving Alabama a D, Brad. I don't know man, what's going on. Johnny. Man, Johnny, don't sign up for a class from Brian. I'm giving Damn. Alabama a D. Well, and I'm a terrible teacher because I start giving everybody C's, and I go, what am I giving everybody your mom's C's not for? This tough. I'm giving them a D. No, my mom is very, uh, I think she's a very uh, good grader in terms of, of giving people better grades than they might deserve. I bet her answer would be, you get what you earn. That's, hey, no, that will be her, that, that is definitely her answer. It, it, it's, it's like like the scoreboard. It's, yeah. it's like a record. You're, you, you are who you are. I, I, I'm gonna give Bama a C. I am. I mean, that's not far from a D, Brett. Because of that, that they're, they're that student that you expect almost perfect work for, and and it it it, yeah. ju- it just hadn't been so far. All right, if we give Bama a C and you give them a D, LSU. Uh, LSU gets a B from me. LSU gets an F. Really? I got two big red X's. I mean, yeah, but oh, I mean LSU. I mean, uh, they they lost. Uh, Jaden Daniels gets an A. I think Jaden Daniels gets an A. I mean, uh, even though in the loss, Brett, though against Ole Miss, we just said that. I mean, they very well could have won that game, and I think a lot of LSU fans that look at that box score said, "How did we not win this game?" So maybe that's. a good I think Brian Kelly admitted this week that it's an F yeah. when he he brings in eighty-two-year-old Mitch McConnell. I'm sorry, Pete Jenkins, <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> and to be the d- defensive coordinator, you know, or D line coach. You know, Brett. What I'm finding out about myself as a teacher, I show favoritism. I mean, there are, there are students that I like more than others. Johnny, I I hope we're we're a, a, a teacher's pet of, sure, of Doctor Davis. My goodness, ne- never sign up for class for you. Okay, they're, they're solid yellow cross. They have very very high standards. They are five and zero. Oh, the Georgia Bulldogs. B. 
It really is, isn't it? I'm giving him a P, Brett. So my whole solid yellow red X thing just went out. <laughs> it makes no sense. It doesn't. I'm, I'm giving him a B, Brett. It, it is a B. Now, it's a high level B. It's a sure. B that you, you're, you're close. It's a, I want to give you a B to try to whip you back into shape so that you'll get back to that A plus work that you've been showing. Texas Aggies. Um, who, uh, man, uh, probably, probably a B. I mean, that only loss against, uh, against Miami, I think, is paying off. D. Really? That D. defense, Brett. Oh, man, I can't talk bad about that defense. I love watching that defense play. D for A and M. I can't get the Miami game out of my head. That's true, but I mean, once you kind of wash that one off your hands, they play better, better football. Good chance to go through the car wash this Saturday at Kyle Field against against Bama. You're absolutely right. But I grab one or two nationally, just one or two out of in your head. Who who are you thinking of? Uh, Washington. You get an A. I mean, you're you're one of my star students, Washington. A. A. Uh, USC A. Pac twelve A. Mm, oh, here, here you go. Certainly gets an A. Here you go. SEC is a league. <laughs> C. I mean, it is. I I rattled off a ton of C's. Probably could have given more C's if I really wanted to. So yeah, I'll give them a. I'll give them a C. Here's one for you, uh, Clemson. F. Really? I I probably F. say I probably say D. When when you come down from those lofty heights, I mean. I, I've been bringing home A's every time. Uh-huh. I mean, this is almost when 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 you take the keys away. Yeah. When well, and, and also, I, I think mean, you, you limit screen time. Yeah. I, I think another can't one. Imagine yeah, my parents. We're going to limit your screen time. <laughs> you got to got to give me your phone at at this time or whatever. Um, but it's for Clemson. I mean, it almost seemed like they were putting all the blame on on DJU last year, and it seemed like once he transferred away, they were able to say, look. I mean, he was the problem. Now, you know, we're going to be much better on offense this year, and they, they just haven't shown that. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to give him a D. This one's easy because we, we love it, and I don't know that I would ever at the end of September ever in my life anything but this. But the enterprise of college football, it's an A, a. and it shows how we're doing our best to run it. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we, we are trying. Well, I mean, we're working overtime to run it. People that claim to love it working overtime to run it, so far we haven't been able to. No, no, and everybody says it's going to be ruined. This is going to ruin it. That's going to ruin it. Just wait till they do this, and that's going to ruin it. And uh, it's it's better than it's ever been. I mean, this season has here's been one unbelievable. Of my, here's one of my favorite all-time. It's going to ruin it. Okay. When you let them have games on from 11 o'clock in the morning to 11 at night, <laughs> it's going to ruin it. You, you we, We've got to keep where it's just one one national game kind of at 3 and one regional game kind of at 11, and then we go watch Mannix and the Carol Burnett show on Saturday night. <laughs> and I'm sitting there arguing. How we need, stupid We need to spread that? that out more. Let me get games that, that are ending at 1 o'clock in the morning and that would be even more ideal but Brian I, I promise you that landmark I think it was Georgia and Oklahoma suing and, and then coming up with the College Football Association and the NCAA balking at that yeah. and saying oh no if you if we start having these games all over uh-huh. the place all day and all night nobody will go to these stadiums and, and interest will decline you can count on it the NCAA uh-huh. If they say up, it was down. Yep. Oh, absolutely. Um, 
Well, we did, we did get a couple text messages that I want to point out. Uh, one texter, Memphis is a B, Tennessee a D, only because of that loss to Florida is unacceptable. Uh, and then we got another text message. I love this one. I, and I texted him back and said, I love that. Uh, he said, Tigers have only taken pop quizzes. No exam yet. See me after the 13th. I love that. I mean, anytime that you can make a, a school reference for these grading segments, I, I don't care really what you have is. to say. That's really beautiful. Uh, that's beautiful. That's more clever than anything we came up with. Absolutely. So that text, text of the day. I mean, I don't know what now, happened now, on, on these airways now, earlier today. Text of the day right there. Now, now to the, the, to the Tennessee mm-hmm. tech, read that one, read that, that he, he said, it was a D, and Memphis is a B. So Read it again Memphis in total. E- Memphis equals B. Tennessee equals D. Only because of that loss to Florida is unacceptable. All right. Go back to when you were in school, and you have that one really bad test-taking day. You weren't prepared. <laughs> you, you you blew it. You swung and missed. But, 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 but you also got it back on easier exams. And I mean really easy, like Virginia, Austin, P, Texas, San Antonio, <laughs> and South Carolina. Uh, yeah, but I will, when's uh, when's Tennessee's next big exam like that that we can uh, we can see they, if they, can they pass have it three again. straight uh, open date this week, then on the road. Uh, no, I'm sorry, at home in Knoxville against A and M, at Bryant Denny, and on the road at Kentucky. Okay, so we'll uh, we'll have some more. We'll exams do great pop at the end of, when October's in the uh-huh. books. Yeah, and then and we'll get a, a better kind of sample size of of what we should expect from Tennessee. But uh, let's go ahead and get to a break. When we come back, it'll be time for Big Number of the Day. Start your day with Sports 56 Mornings with Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Weekday mornings from 7 to 10, right here on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now back to Sports Time on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Here once again are Brett Norsworthy and Bryant Dacus. Big Daddy. Hello, Big Brand. It's a guy, he wants to be big, then he gets big, he doesn't want to be big anymore, then he gets small, but the suit's too big. Big Daddy. The Big Boy. You're a big guy. I think she's trying to pull a fast one on Big Daddy. The big number of the day. Well, Brett, I have two big numbers today, but they go hand in hand with each other. My first big number is 19,704. My second big number is one. So I'll go uh, with with both of these. Both of these have to do with the Tampa Bay Rays. 19,704 was the listed attendance last night for their first game of the wild card, which was the lowest attendance in a postseason game, excluding the COVID-19 year since 1919. The one, you might ask, what is the one for? That's how many runs... The Rays scored over a two-day span in this wild card Brutal. against the Rangers, and that game has gone final uh, since we last talked about it. Rangers with a seven-to-one win over the Rays, sweeping the Rays in the wild card series, and sending uh, the Rays that everybody, I think, I think tons of people were loading up earlier in the season on this team making or at least appearing excuse me winning or at least appearing in the Remember world that series start? and that start was unbelievable and now to only put up one run in the wild card and be out after two games is is in, in, insane 
win 99 games and be out at 445 on the 4th <laughs> of October. That, that, that is rough stuff. Is it, rough. It, it is too cruel. And a sports time big number first. Ding, 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 ding. Same one. 19,704. I love it. That crowd for Rays in Texas yesterday and that's going to stay with them almost as much as the early exit. And it's too bad. It's too bad for the ones that go. It's, again, on any attendance, we're not knocking the people that go. No. We need more of you. Uh, yeah. That's, that's, we're knocking the people that aren't there. We're, we're, we're knocking the ones that aren't there. And, you know, it goes back to 1919. Shoeless Joe throwing a World Series mm-hmm. in a seven out of nine series. For the South Sider, say it ain't so, Joe. Say it ain't so, St. Pete. And it, it, it's, when, when we talked about it, when the story broke, uh, in that stadium funding deal, a lot of that's the owner's money. It's a lot yeah. of public monies in that, in, in it as well. We, we, we know that's always going to be part of it. Very, very, very seldom. And for as much as he's despised, Cronky did cut that whole big old check. Mm-hmm. Sure did. Uh, out, out, out in Los Angeles. But why are they going back to St. Pete if if they if they can't get there or won't get there now? Why is the fancy uh, retractable roof uh, about twenty eight to thirty thousand capacity is all it's going to be mm-hmm. uh, for for the new stadium over a billion dollars? Why why are they going to go then? And can they keep this magic up of turning out these kind of? People don't know them, ragamuffin rosters every year that win 99 games. Yeah. Well, now tell me. This. What if they were bad? <laughs> really? Well, I mean, remember when they were bad. I mean, it wasn't that long ago that they were bad. But um, I don't know how much you were able to watch of this game today. I don't know if you had it on in the background or not. But they showed a bridge when they were coming back from a commercial break. Is that the famed bridge that everybody talks about? I, I don't know the area that well. I've been a couple of times, uh, and 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 been to that building, the the dome oh, really? for for Memphis Pharaohs Arena football playoffs. No way. August of nineteen ninety five oh, against oh, the man. Tampa Bay Storm. Oh, Brett, that's beautiful. Oh man, that's great. And, and this morning had Ron Higgins on uh, with Dave. He, he joins Dave every week and visits right. with Ron. Uh, Ron and I were seatmates on the flight. He was covering it for the commercial appeal. Oh, that's great. That is great. But this this bridge they showed earlier today coming back from a break, I was looking at it and I was like, I hope this is not the bridge that everyone talks so bad about because it just looks like a normal bridge. I mean, it, unless everybody in Tampa St. Pete is just afraid of driving TJ on bridges. Week. I mean, I don't understand what's wrong with this it bridge. It is a it real fun. sore subject. With, with TJ, I, I hate to get on the attendant subject with him because he's so kind with his time for this radio station. But I, I, of the two, I know Tampa better than St. Pete, right. and I don't know it that well. I know Charlie Steakhouse in Tampa is one of the great steakhouses in really? the country. Well, I mean, it's just like you said. I mean, it's ridiculous that that we're going to build this beautiful, fancy, state-of-the-art stadium, and you've just been named the lowest attendance in postseason history since 1919. Um, It may not hang with them as long as as 1919 hung with Shoeless Joe. (laughs) But but nineteen seven oh four is is something. I mean that's just that's ridiculous. I mean for a a wild card game for a team that has been so good this year to draw that little. I don't care if it's a, a three o'clock game or not. That is uh, I mean there's there's just no way to defend that. But uh, that'll do it for our second hour. Let's go ahead and get to a break. When we come back, we're gonna talk some SEC football. We'll also get into some Houston Astros talk with Chris Gordy. That's next. 